Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Under the Covers with Eve. It's Sunday, February 7th, 2016. This week, I'm going to venture away a little bit from relationship and sex talk, just for a bit, and discuss something that's kind of related to it. Specifically, the freedom to talk about relationships and sex, or anything else for that matter. Today, I want to talk about an issue that I feel is becoming increasingly important to all of us, and especially to anyone who enjoys the freedom of being able to say things that that maybe not everyone agrees should be said. I'm calling this episode The Death of Debate, because more and more lately I feel as though the healthy exchange of differing opinions and ideas is slowly dying if it isn't already gone completely. As you can imagine, uh, someone like me who puts herself out there with audios like I do, and specifically the under the covers audios, is going to attract a lot of comments and criticism. And that's fine. That's what I expect. I always say clearly in my audios that these are just my opinions, that I'm not an expert, and I always encourage you to think for yourself, to learn more about anything that interests you and certainly to seek the help of professionals if any of the medical or psychological things that I talk about resonate with you. I also, however, clearly speak my mind, and I'm not afraid to go against any um, groupthink you know, that might exist out there. If I have something to say about a subject, I'll say it. You can always hit stop. That's the way I look at it. What I don't want is someone telling me that I can't or shouldn't say what I want to say because it might offend someone or bother someone or because my ideas don't jive with what someone else thinks. It's a new form of censorship and I think it's something that we all need to really think about. The subject of media censorship has been around for hundreds of years, if not more, and we're all pretty familiar with um, Tales of, you know, books being burned or banned from school libraries or writers being arrested for obscenity or governments even arresting and disappearing political dissidents or journalists or pretty much anyone who disagrees with them. And the thinking person rebels against this, rightfully so, because censoring new ideas or differing opinions is not only unfair to the person who holds them, but it also limits the growth of our society by not allowing new ideas to flourish or old ways to be re-examined. For decades now, societies have grappled with issues of free speech, facing some really tough choices about it, such as um, things like allowing Holocaust deniers to speak publicly or white supremacist political parties to exist, that sort of thing. We used to be a society that held on to our principles and said, I don't agree with what you say, but I defend your right to say it. Not because we liked the person or their ideas, but because we understood how important it was for any individual in a society to have the right to his or her opinion and to speak it freely. Even the most ridiculous, hateful, or even outright wrong person is allowed to say what he or she thinks with only very basic legal limits like uh, libel or slander. Just stating your opinion about life is not a crime. Now the reason for this, if it isn't already clear, is pretty simple. Who gets to decide what you can and can't say? 
the government? Well, what if the government is corrupt or dangerous to its own people? What then? Does the king decide? The priests, the rabbis, the imams? I mean, it's the same deal. Throughout much of the world, even today, there are places where you can be arrested, tortured, and even killed for criticizing the monarchy, the government, or religion. And so one of the very best things ever enshrined in the American Constitution, for example, was the concept of free speech. Essentially, the government could never infringe the rights of its citizens based solely on the opinions they held or the way they voiced them. It was kind of a built-in protection against tyranny. No king or president even could ever throw you in jail or have you killed for disagreeing with him or for holding an opinion contrary to his. Every person was entitled to think what he liked or she liked and voice it without fear of recrimination, not only as a way of respecting each individual's right to their own opinions, but also as a protection against any group deciding that what you think is wrong and you have to be punished. I've um, linked to a Wikipedia entry on free speech around the world and the United Nations resolution on it if you want to find out more about um, different countries' approach to free speech. So it's vitally important that laws are put in place to protect everyone's right to speak their mind and believe what they want, no matter what it is, against any government or group that could one day decide that what you think is wrong and that you have to be silenced. This is why the concept of free speech absolutely must trump any bad feelings or even disgust that someone's words might cause. We have to allow the neo-Nazis to speak, for example, even if we hate their message. Much more is lost when you censor people than is gained in uh, soothing their feelings. And yet, what I see happening these days goes completely against these ideals. Nowadays, if you say something that goes against popular opinion, if you aren't a karma whore, in other words, and you actually voice an opinion that is unpopular, on social media at least, you run the risk of not only being attacked, harassed, bullied, and shamed, you now face having this kind of nonsense spill over into your real life. And more and more people are willing to go to extreme measures over this. Recently, the United Kingdom, uh, their House of Parliament, debated whether or not to ban Donald Trump from entering their country based on statements he made about his thoughts on Muslim immigration to the US. Now, not only is it kind of absurd that Britain is wasting its time debating an issue in an American election, but <laughs> honestly, at what point is this gonna stop? If they ban him from entering because what he says is currently an unpopular opinion, don't they have to stop everyone else at the border who may have said something offensive about somebody at some point or other? And what happens if he gets elected? Are they going to ban the U.S. president from making a state visit because they don't like his opinions? One MP even expressed it openly. He wants Trump to visit the U.K. so he can, quote, get a sense of the fury and the frustration with his xenophobic remarks. Now, now, whether you agree with Trump or not, whether you think he's a buffoon or not, it doesn't matter. This is the very essence of the democratic system. Opposing values and viewpoints square off. And those running for leadership will try to curry favor with people they believe are likely to vote for them. Obama did it too, and so does Hillary Clinton and Sanders and all the rest of them. In fact, in 2000, 
Hillary Clinton was quoted as saying, I think marriage is as marriage always was, between a man and a woman. So why isn't the UK debating banning her for homophobia? <laughs> you know, why don't we just ban everyone who ever said anything? That way <laughs> no one will ever be offended by anything ever again. Now, I admit, this kind of thinking isn't always easy to take. One of the biggest challenges to rational thinking on this is um, someone you may have heard of, this guy called Roosh V, who makes the news all the time for his really horrible views on women and his ideas of what men should be. This guy's really something else. And if you haven't heard of him, well, I, <laughs> I envy you. Um, he thinks women are inferior to men that all rape claims are false. And um, he even said that a great way for men to avoid rape charges is to make rape legal on public property. That way, he said, women would have to be more responsible about where they went and with whom. Now, now he has since backpedaled on this quite a bit and claimed that he was just being satirical. He even has the pomposity to compare himself to Jonathan Swift's uh, satire, A Modest Proposal, the one about solving the problem of poor people by having the rich eat them. I don't know. I, I don't care whether he's being satirical or not. The guy's an idiot, clearly. The point is, his organization was planning um, a worldwide meetup of all these wannabe kings. He calls his website Return of Kings, um, about returning men to a kind of medieval masculinity, I guess. And so the internet just exploded, you know, getting petitions signed and having him banned from all sorts of places so that I think most of his meetups um, yesterday were canceled. Now, he has upset a lot of people, me included, so I'm not exactly heartbroken that groups of his followers weren't able to get together. However, even I have to keep in mind that essentially a bunch of people were prevented from gathering to talk about ideas they share. No matter how awful these ideas are, is it right to just outright forbid it? The best that the authorities could say about the potential danger presented by these groups was that they, quote, appear to intend to cause harassment and distress, and that he's encouraging people to gather for purposes that are, quote, unpleasant and potentially unlawful. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't hear anything in this that says these people are committing any crimes. It's just that they are unpleasant. So we're not going to allow them to gather peacefully and, and talk to each other. And while I heartily agree that these people practically redefine the word unpleasant, again, we have to be really careful about allowing our governments to put unpleasantness on par with crime. Once you do that, you open the door to all sorts of things being considered unpleasant. Think about all the gay people who used to be locked up and brutalized because society deemed them unpleasant at one time. Or even feminists themselves, Margaret Sanger, the woman who essentially coined the term birth control and who brought reproductive freedom to thousands of women in New York in 1916, was arrested three times for being a public nuisance. Now, I'm not saying that Roosh's attitudes are in any way comparable to those of someone like Sanger, just that we ought to be careful about allowing the morals of our time and our personal feelings to dictate the controls that we put on other people, especially if those morals simply involve our being offended at someone else's ideas.
I think, too, it goes without saying that anyone like me who speaks about, um, simulates, or even actually performs content of a sexual nature is going to come under fire at some point from people who don't approve and who believe all sexual media is offensive and wrong. These are the people who campaign to get strip clubs shut down, to get magazines taken out of the stores, you know, lads' magazines with women on the covers, um, who go around flagging sexual audios, videos, and pictures on places like YouTube and Facebook, places whose policies are very anti-sex, even to the point of banning pictures of women breastfeeding their babies. And underneath all of this, I think it isn't so much a desire to protect children as it is to clamp down on the immorality of human sexuality as they see it, and to deny adults the right to see and hear what they choose. I think in many cases it goes beyond wanting to keep these places clean, so to speak. It really has become a sort of morality squad, making sure that nothing sexist, misogynistic, or too focused on women's sexuality or appearance is allowed to exist outside the very narrow world of porn. Like, it's okay on Reality Kings, but it's not okay on YouTube, that sort of thing. Just keep it in the gutter where it belongs and we'll let it slide. But if anyone wants to elevate it a little, bring sex out of the gutter, and maybe portray it a little more nicely than, say, Bang Brothers does, you know, that has to be stopped. It's not just that community standards don't like porn, or a particular kind of porn, it's that they find its very existence offensive. Some women have been very successful at having men's magazines pulled from convenience stores because they claim they were offended by images on the covers. And to them, it's perfectly reasonable to be able to dictate what uh, legal products a shop can sell, what products other people can buy, and what a magazine can put on its cover, all because they were offended. It makes you wonder where it stops. I mean, what if men said that the really uh, buff men on the covers of those men's fitness magazines were offensive to non-bodybuilding men? Should we ban those two? And how about the women's magazines which feature the same um, kind of busty, thin, attractive women, only this time used to sell women's interest magazines? Should we ban those, you know? Maybe we should ban Architectural Digest because it's offensive to see so many stinking rich people showing off their fabulous homes. <laughs> I like what Salman Rushdie uh, had to say about this. He said, nobody has the right not to be offended. That right doesn't exist in any declaration I have ever read. If you are offended, that's your problem. And frankly, lots of things offend lots of people. Now, Really, though, all of this would be a non-issue. It would just be kind of a continuous round of mudslinging and hurt feelings and lots of ink spilled over how outrageous someone is if it weren't for the fact that these days the things you say and the opinions you hold can now actually ruin your life and even threaten your safety. Nowadays, the response to someone disliking what you say or what you write or the cartoon you draw is more likely to be an all-out attack on you, your private life, or even your very life, as we saw with the militants who killed the Charlie Hebdo cartoonists and others before them. These days, people are being assaulted in their homes by people who show up on their doorstep after learning their, their address off a doxing post somewhere, usually over some incendiary, but largely intellectual, 
issue like Gamergate or similar. Many people have been fired for things that they've tweeted, for example, personal opinions on, you know, gay marriage or other issues. There was a Toronto sportscaster named Damien Goddard who was fired for tweeting his support of someone who was against same-sex marriage. It's just his opinion. It's just what he thinks. He was fired. And there's truly so many others. People are getting fired because someone overheard them say something in an airport and then found out where they worked and reported it to their boss. Or there was a school bus driver who was fired because he posted something to his Facebook expressing frustration over one of his young passengers going to school hungry. He said he'd rather his taxes go to feed hungry kids than to crackheads or something. Fired. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even have to be some controversial, unpopular opinion you hold either. These days, one mistake, one error in judgment, one tweet in anger, or even a failed attempt at humor, and your life can be ruined. A girl was fired from her job working with disabled adults because of a photo that someone found on her Facebook page showing her pretending to scream at a silence please sign at the Arlington National Cemetery. Gilbert Gottfried was fired as the voice of the Aflac duck for making an insensitive joke about a tsunami in Japan. And then there's the Justine Sacco case, which I've linked to, which shows just what kind of savagery can be unleashed uh, the moment you say something stupid, even once, even if you're just trying to be sarcastic. While on a plane to Africa, she tweeted a stupid joke about not getting AIDS because she was white. And the Twitterverse just had a meltdown. I mean, there were hashtags about her plane's arrival status, about what should be done with her when she arrived. One Twitter user actually went to the airport to meet her plane and stalk her and report to the masses what she was up to. And of course, she was naturally fired from her job and was just like the subject of furious Twitter hashtagging for weeks to the point that she had to go into hiding over all this in fear for her safety. It doesn't really matter if these people were being crass or stupid or just imprudent in a moment of anger. Never before would someone face such total public evisceration and loss of their livelihoods just for holding an opinion. I mean, people have been fired before for bad-mouthing their boss or the company or for pretending to be sick and then showing up on a Facebook photo drunk at a party, you know, but this is different. This is being hunted down by people who don't know you, but who are on an ideological crusade, who want to utterly destroy your life because they think you're a bigot or a homophobe or whatever. It doesn't matter what they think you are. The point is, they're going to make you pay. And even if they have to dig through your Facebook or your tweets to find these supposed crimes of yours, you know, they will. Even if you're not shouting this stuff from the rooftops or trying to incite anything, it doesn't matter. If you hold the wrong opinion on something these days, or even seem like you do, there are people out there just itching to bring you down. One of the more thoroughly reported examples that I found has to do with an Australian um, militant feminist named Clementine Ford, who wrote an article about misogyny and received a lot of hate mail for it, which is the first problem with all of this, of course. She should have just been able to speak her mind, as everyone is, without triggering an avalanche of 
hateful crap, but regardless, one man commented one word to her. Slut. He called her a slut, which was wrong of him to do, completely. But then she went and found out where he worked and got him fired. Now, the, the interesting point about this, to me, the point that I find troubling, is that we live in a world where no one is allowed to make a mistake anymore. Um, one bad day, you know, one misjudged comment, one snarky response, or, you know, maybe something that doesn't represent your finer self. You will pay for it dearly. Every single one of us has made an error in judgment like this or been willfully hurtful to someone at some point in our lives. We're all human. We all behave badly now and then. Who knows what prompted him to leave that comment? But whatever it was, no matter how inappropriate it was or how mean-spirited, did it warrant a man losing his livelihood? Now the response to this, of course, is the most telling part. She didn't cost him his job. He did. This is her logic. He simply revealed his misogyny on the internet, and she was just the messenger, letting his company know that such a raging menace was working for them. She believes that it was his beliefs that got him fired, not her contacting his work and essentially telling on him. You know, And this is, this is the part that I find the most disturbing. She's not punishing him for making a mistake. She's not punishing him for being rude or for insulting her or for any action that he took. She wants to punish him and his family, one can presume, because of how he thinks. He doesn't think the right way, as far as she's concerned. And so all sorts of bad things should happen to him. This one guy, who probably has no sphere of influence whatsoever, he has to be stamped out. And this is the crux of what's wrong with a lot of these keyboard warriors these days. They simply will not tolerate anyone holding an opinion that doesn't fall in line with theirs. They feel completely justified in ruining someone's life because he supposedly doesn't like women, in their opinion, um, because he made a sexual slur about one online, because he doesn't like what she has to say. And this is the problem. Nowadays, it seems as though you can go after people for what's in their heads for what they believe or don't believe. When this happened to non-Catholics in the middle of the 15th century, when they were tortured and killed for not believing the, quote, right thing, it was called the Inquisition. When this happened to communist sympathizers in the 50s, when they lost their jobs for their beliefs, it was called McCarthyism. And it's been vilified ever since. It's even had George Clooney making movies about it. But when it happens now, it's called social justice. And now, it's completely okay. Some people really do take what others say so personally, it's crazy. They take the ramblings of one lone idiot out there who has maybe theories about, I don't know, Jews or blacks or Presbyterians, whatever, and they act like he's a virus that simply has to be stopped or else the world will shudder to a halt. They can't just shake their heads and call him a nut job and move on. More and more, people are becoming totally worked up by hearing even one person voice an opinion different than theirs. Like the hate mail and personal attacks I've received from male feminists, male ones, not female ones, who have blasted me for my stance on militant feminism and declare how they simply can't listen to me anymore because they're just so disgusted and appalled by my words that I'm completely wrong and shouldn't be saying what I say 
And I think it's funny they don't see the irony. They're men telling a woman how she should think and act. And they call themselves feminists. Anyway, I'm not even talking about the toxic internet trolls that everyone knows too well by now. Those narcissistic, deeply dysfunctional people who just thrive on hurting strangers online. They are so well-known and so universally trashed that they almost don't bear mentioning. If it were just these keyboard warriors spreading their hate, I wouldn't even care. What worries me is when it comes from the non-trolls, the, quote, you know, normal people, who suddenly become gripped with a kind of hysteria when they see someone saying something that isn't right-thinking. So hysterical, in fact, that they feel compelled to fire off these hateful messages to the offending thinker, blasting them for their wrong beliefs. And it really does strike me as fear. It seems like the mere idea of someone not going along with the party line is just so terrifying to them that they want to stamp it out as quickly as they can, just to soothe themselves that all is still right with the world. The problem with this kind of thing, really, is that it's all emotion-based. It's based on what someone happens to be feeling at the moment, and it does nothing to contribute to any meaningful discussion on this subject. And I think it has repercussions in our real life, too, by encouraging a confrontational, um, suspicious, and even hateful online world. I think it's way too easy to lose sight of the fact that there are real people behind the usernames and avatars that are getting abused. And it's far too easy to forget everything we ever learned about manners, politeness, and how to talk to our fellow humans. We're giving up reasonable debate and starting to just wallow in being rude. And I think that's such a shame. So here's my little test for how you can decide whether a comment you're making to someone is part of a reasonable debate or is just plain rude. Number one, would you make your comment to their face? If you were talking to someone at a party, for instance, and someone started talking about misogyny, would you call her a slut to her face? Then this is not a reasonable response, right? By the same token, if someone did say that to you at a party, did call you a slut, would you call up his employer and get him fired? No, then this isn't a reasonable response either. Number two, would you be embarrassed by your statements if your family, friends, and coworkers found out about them? Same example as above. If you didn't have the anonymity of the internet to hide behind, or <laughs> a massive and powerful group of similar thinkers behind you, would you be so forceful about your, quote, opinion, you know? And what would happen to your opinion if suddenly, say, overnight, everyone on social media and university campuses just started believing the opposite? Would you still be so strident in your beliefs? Or would you change and go along with the group? Number three, this is probably the most important point, is what you're saying adding to the discussion? Or is it simply expressing your hurt or outraged feelings. If you're just having a little hissy fit because you don't like someone or what they're saying, then reconsider before you hit send. Or at the very least, admit that you're just reacting emotionally to someone and are attacking them because you don't like what they think. Just don't kid yourself that you have some intelligent things to say about it and deserve to be heard too, you know. This is one of the biggest misconceptions out there, I think. People will insist that their opinion is just as valid and just as worthy of being heard as the person that they're insulting, even when their so-called opinion is just an insult. I mean, yes, 
they have the right to say it. It doesn't mean that they have a valid opinion on something or someone. Imagine, too, if you were to treat people on the street in your town the way you do online. Would you follow someone everywhere they go? Would you butt in on their conversations with other people and insult them? Would you try to sabotage their day <laughs> or, or actively make other people dislike them? Would you follow them for years, seething with rage that they have the nerve to exist and do everything you can, anonymously, of course, to bring them down? I mean, does any of this sound like a reasonable thing to do? And lastly, would you do all of this and then blame the person that you're, you're stalking and try to make the case that, that it's what they think about things that's driven you to these insane actions? When this happens in real life, it's called stalking or harassment, and it's a crime. It doesn't matter if you hate the politics or religion or beliefs of someone in your neighborhood. If you do any of these things to him or to her in real life, you will be arrested. But when it happens online, you'll be congratulated by all the other trolls in your group who think that anyone who doesn't agree with you is, isn't worthy of respect. That's why I call this modern trend the death of debate, because I believe that debate and discourse are dying. I like it when someone points out something that I hadn't thought of before. I may not end up agreeing with that person. I might. But the point is, it adds substance to the discussion. It explores new ways of thinking. And it broadens everyone's perspective. I don't even mind heated debate. I've gotten into some heated arguments with friends over subjects that we don't agree on. But I've never hated someone for disagreeing with me. I've never insulted someone who didn't insult me first or treat me like I was just beneath their contempt. And neither have any of the reasonable people that I've had discussions with. Grown adults should be able to have respectful discussions on or offline and speak their minds without provoking the unbridled wrath of their opponents. So the bottom line, this is the reason I tend not to get into arguments with people when they write me to say that they don't agree with something I've said or think. They are free to disagree with me, absolutely. I say that constantly. They're also free to make their own audios and attract their own listeners and express their own opinions on things. And if they did, I wouldn't be so rude as to write to them and tell them that they're full of shit. What I do welcome is thoughtful discourse on the things that I talk about. So write to me if you have a legitimate concern about something or new information or something you think I may have gotten factually wrong. But please don't try to shut me up. If you don't like what I think, don't bother telling me so. Just don't listen to me anymore. Just hit stop. The only reason you can have for writing to tell me that you're never going to listen to me again is to try to make me feel bad for thinking differently than you do. And that I will never respect. So, let me know what you think, as always. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Stay warm and stay cozy. And I'll talk to you again soon.